electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer, as we continue to practice social distancing here at CNBC. Good morning to everybody. Of course, another momentous morning led by those jobless claims that we got about one half hour ago. 3.283 million people filing uh, for uh, uh, those benefits uh, it's a staggering number, of course, a multiple of the record that we saw. Well, the most recent record that we saw back in during the uh, financial crisis of 2000, March of 2009. Uh, Jim, stunning though the number is, of course, we also have the stimulus or so-called, let's call it more of a recovery uh, act making its way through the Congress, the House set to act shortly on it. We are going to be joined by the Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin about 15 minutes from now to discuss that uh, and so many other things in the economy. What is at the fore of your thinking this morning as we get uh, started with trading a half hour from now? Uh, The gap. We've got 3.2 million that that file claims. Obviously, money comes for them. But I want to know date that the check is in the mail, how it comes, how you get it. Will it make it so that small business stays alive, medium-sized business stays alive, and is it enough to keep them alive for the pandemic? Um, is it one month? Is it two months? How long does the $2 trillion last? Because, David, this number's so big, and I don't think it's peaking, we got to be sure that the American people themselves don't have real fear of the economics and just fear of COVID, of which we sure wish could go away, but we can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I have been talking for the last couple of weeks, of course, about just how many people would be losing their jobs in an economy that is led by the service sector and going through so many of those professions, of course, that we know well that were just shut down. Uh, And that is certainly reflected in this number, Jim, Uh, perhaps. Well, not even perhaps far higher than anybody had anticipated, though, in some ways. It's not really about the number at this point. It's about what's coming and what is being done to obviously deal with the situation in the form of that $2 trillion bill that we do expect the House to vote on, I guess, fairly soon. Yeah, look, David, I mean, it's pretty easy to think that there could be as many as 50 million mandated jobs lost. In other words, this is not some number where where somebody's doing badly. This is a situation where we're being told, stop working. Uh, I know that when we speak to the secretary, it's, it is about business interruption insurance without any insurance. Uh, I don't think that we've ever seen a situation where people want to go to work so badly. We have full employment it, it just it three weeks ago. And here's the word. No, sorry, we're not open for business. Does this bill make it so we are open for business? No. But I think what it says is until we're open for business, we might be OK. And that's why we got to flesh out the bill, because the bill is what keeps us from thinking, you know what? we got to sit in our house. This COVID is coming and we don't have hope. We put hope back in the system with the bill and then we wait to see the Dr. Fauci contingent that licks it. Dr. Fauci being the metaphor at this point in, in our lives for, listen, we can win, but there's a lot of ways that we can go wrong if we, if we uh, do it improperly. Well, you know, you say about doing it improperly, and I think you're getting to this debate that's out there. I mean, I raised this first, I think, late last week. I can remember sort of one of the early broadcasts from uh, from here, Jim, the idea that the concern about a collapse in the economy was overtaking people's concern about the virus. And that seems to be embodied in a lot of the talk recently led by the president, of course, that we've got to get the economy so-called back open. At the same time, we've got to make sure that the virus does not spread throughout the country uh, and inhibit that ability to actually get the economy open. Look, what I like about this bill, and look, it's a thousand pages. Actually, it's not that bad to read. Uh, what I like about the bill is that it takes some of the pressure points, uh, some of the pressure points in the healthcare system. There are, we were speaking with Joe earlier, there are pressure points. It is very unusual to pick up the paper, and we all know Elmhurst, David, and we read about Elmhurst and we think about Wuhan. 
We have got to make it so that we have no Wuhans in our country. We are a stronger, richer country than China, but we have a misallocation of resources. I like some of the things in the bill about the Army. The Army has 125,000 medical professionals. Here I'm, Ar- I'm speaking Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. They're all included in the bill. Maybe they can help alleviate what I think looks like pure despair on the part of some parts of our country. Because, David, we can put people to work if they don't have COVID-19 or if they've already had it. But we don't have the testing yet. We don't have we don't know serologically who has had it and can go back to work. Wouldn't you love it if we knew who had it already? And they can. But we don't have the testing to be able to open the economy. In every conversation I have, and I'll bet so many that you have, where I start on, obviously, business or trying to understand what's going on in the markets, we end up having that conversation or at least that discussion that you just mentioned, which is when are we going to get tests so that we can see who has the antibodies so that, you know, you can go back to work. You're in the clear. Because that would seem to be something that could be very positive in terms of at least sort of returning certain people to work, given we just have no idea how many people have actually been exposed to this virus. That's the bottleneck. I'm fortunate enough to live in a town where we know that you can get tested at the high school parking lot. Uh, some people don't have parking lots next to high schools. I feel that what's happened is it's patchwork. Again, we need it to be. I mean, what, should the president just put everybody on lockdown? Should the president just mandate that, that you have to have a test within the next four days? Because we keep hearing that there are a lot of tests out there. But, David, without the testing, people don't want to go out because we look at people and we don't know who's going to give it to us. That's the we have two fears. Are you going to give it to me? Am I going to give it to you? Do I have it? And then can I put food on the table? It's a prong. Right. There are two prongs. This bill actually, I think, puts the uh, cart before the horse to some degree. I think you're putting food on the table. But I got to know, David, if you're going to give me COVID. And if you're going to give me COVID, I'm going to stay in my house. Yeah. Yeah. There's still going to be a significantly depressing impact on economic depressing. activity. Depressing Although, versus, again, yes, it's depressing. not. Two kinds yeah, of depression. But not necessarily in all parts of the country, Jim. There are certain parts that obviously are not seeing the kind of uh, community spread that, that others are. Right. But, David, do you think that's because they're late to the game or because we literally have two we have areas where there's just so many people and there are other areas where it's so easy to practice uh, social distancing, where they don't have a subway that could yeah. be a big incubator? I don't know. We're not we're not doctors. Uh, we've got some fabulous. No, we're not. We're with- not. And density. Density no. does come into play yeah. here, although we, the likes of Singapore and Hong Kong and Tokyo and places like that have incredible density as well and have been able to manage through it. Uh, Jim, I, uh, we got the jobless claims number. We have the Treasury Secretary coming up. But we also heard from the Fed chairman this morning on the Today Show, who certainly uh, talked openly about the possibility of or, in fact, whether we are in recession. Take a listen. We may well be in a recession, but again, I would point to the difference between this and a normal recession. This isn't, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with our economy. Quite the contrary. The economy performed very well right through February. We've got 50-year low in unemployment for the last couple of years. So we start in a very strong position. This isn't something that's wrong with the economy. This is a situation where people are being asked to step back from economic activity. Thoughts on uh, on the on the chair's uh, discussion on uh, the Today Show this morning? Chief delivered. I mean, I, I listened to him closely of going over parsing him word by word. Uh, this is a, a Fed chief who, in a very short period of time, went from raising rates when they shouldn't be to raising hopes when we can have it. And I just thought that there are. There's so many people who come on air, David, and they say, well, this market's frozen and that market's frozen and this market's frozen. Well, I mean, yeah, this guy is coming into the frozen areas with a blowtorch. I wish there'd be less complaining. I wish that people didn't come on air and say, listen, my industry's really with my. Hey, you're going to take some losses. Rich people are going to do a little sacrificing. It's OK. That had a big we've had a big, big run. So when I listen to what the Fed chief says, he's saying, OK, look, go about your business. Yes, I'm very worried. What happens if people stop paying rent? What happens if the big real estate investment trust that run this shopping center or that office building get hurt? Uh, what happens to preferred dividends? What happens to, to uh, common dividends? But what I'd like to see, and I think the Fed chief did, was to say, you know what? It, if you think that this market is frozen, give me a call. I'll unfreeze it. Uh, in return, it, it, we need a little sacrifice. He didn't talk about that. I wish he had because there's got to be forbearance. And I, I think when we come through this, uh, we got to make it so that the rich don't clean up, David. 
I really feel that way because yeah. the Fed chief is going to make it so that a lot of the people come on our air and do a lot of complaining. They're going to get their way. Uh, and I wish that we could interview people who are at the nail salon and, and, and people who are at the dry cleaner because they better get their way because that's the base of the country. Aren't you tired of the rich no people doubt. coming on those and belly aching? How about all the belly aching? They didn't do that yeah, in World War those, II. There's, there's a lot of it. Yeah, isn't there's there? There's a lot of it. No, and hey, you're right. It's, I, I, it's I like those, this. It's con- I got a new people. concept, David. Shame. Have some yeah. shame. And then take the pledge and keep the people. I'd like to hear some more pledges, uh, like what I'm hearing from, Ch- from uh, Chuck Robbins with $225 million from Cisco, what I'm hearing from Mark Benioff, what I'm hearing from Wynn. Wynn is, is, is big. So I really, really, really want to stop hearing belly aching, and I want to start hearing some optimism, particularly from the rich. Um, understood. Uh, uh, Chair Powell also was kind of pushed on this basic question of, how quickly do you reopen the economy? And he continued to come back more to the point of view, I think, of, of Anthony Fauci. Sort of let's deal with the virus, then we can get back to uh, growing the economy again, Jim. You know, yes. uh, sort of noting it's a unique situation uh, and saying, listen to the experts and agreeing to a certain extent with Fauci that the virus's transmission will dictate the timing of when and we can actually resume significant economic growth. Right. And, and I know we could find fault with people who I think David just didn't believe, felt that this thing could pass. They kept schools open too long. They had playgrounds open. Uh, Governor Cuomo was talking about, listen, I wish the five on five basketball games would close. Uh, no kidding. You know what you can do? You can put a lock on a playground. You can do a San Francisco shutdown. But, David, you're you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I just think that. We, we the issue of getting back to work is going to be defined more. I mean, the president wants people to back to work. Who doesn't want people to get back to work? I like Dr. Fauci, an interview he gave at Regis, the fabulous school that he went to. He talked about one that, the, that his biggest fear, and this is a year ago, his biggest fear would be some sort of yeah. pandemic where we would have respiratory issues. Well, check that box. And he also said something that makes that gives me some tremendous hope. He said that in the 80s, uh, every patient he had died. Everyone. And that's because he was trying to beat AIDS. And he did. He beat it. Can you imagine? They beat AIDS. We can beat this. They beat AIDS. AIDS is a lot harder than this. It was a lot harder and a lot more uh, devastating, uh, certainly. And Um, and no unity about trying to help those people. No unity. No, you you mentioned Regis. They're doing remote classes, Jim. They're making their students actually wear uniforms. Remotely, just so you know. Hard school, Keeps them in that frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah. No great great inflation, Regis. No, no. We're going to take a quick break, Jim. Of course, on the other side, we are going to be speaking to uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. Stay with us. Squawk on the Streets right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Joining us now is Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. First, Mr. Secretary, congratulations on the record time you put this together, particularly versus 2007-2009. When will the checks be in the mail? Well, Jim, first of all, thanks for having me back. And, and I want to thank the Senate for their swift action. Uh, people literally worked around the clock for five days. And uh, the President and I and others couldn't be more pleased with the absolute unanimous support on a bipartisan basis to get this done. Uh, in regards to the checks, uh, I announced yesterday from the White House press conference, uh, first of all, most of these will be direct deposits, so we call them checks in the mail, but most of them will be direct deposits. It'll be within three weeks. We are determined to get money in people's pocket immediately. So uh, that will be within three weeks. No issues with the House. We don't have to worry about that. Can, we, can they hold it up? Um, I, I would hope that the House passes this unanimously. Uh, I've already reached out to the speaker and to Kevin McCarthy on the sense of urgency. Uh, The American workers and American public and American business, they need the money now. So this is not the time to debate a bill that uh, passed with every single vote, other than the few people who couldn't be there in person. You know what, Mr. Secretary, when I go through the bill, 
uh, what I keep finding, and, and it struck me, is, is that you told us at the very beginning, this is going to be like business inter- interruption insurance, that this is going to be about small and medium-sized business. I tried very hard to try to discredit that, and I couldn't. It's really true. There's very little about corporations. There's very much about the small and medium size. Uh, and you added the 1099, which I know is the new economy, the gig economy. Can you find all these people to give them the money? Because this is a very complicated task to give all these people the money because you delivered. It goes to the people, not to the companies. Well, you're, Jim, you're, you're right. The majority of this bill is all about small business and American workers. And we wanted to include in the definition of small businesses, as you said, the, the new gig economy, uh, sole proprietorships. So between the small business retention loans, uh, again, which is about 50% of the payroll, uh, for companies that don't qualify that, there's retention tax credits that they get for retaining people. And then hopefully for the small number of people that uh, are laid off, there is enhanced unemployment insurance. And uh, again, this is something that we hope only lasts a short period of time. But the president wants to make sure that all American workers are protected. They, they did nothing wrong. This was a, an act of the government for medical reasons to shut down parts of the economy and as the Fed chair said, we, we had a very, very healthy economy. We will have a healthy economy. We will, we will win this war, as the president says, against this virus. There, uh, page 640 has some excellent stuff about, we finally get this, the Department of Defense military. Some nice allocations to them. When I read what's happening in Elmhurst, which is New York for people all over the country, it, to me it says you've got defense procurement. You're going to get some uh, uh, protection gear. How quickly can you operate on the parts of this bill that are about making our country safe, not not just be out in paychecks, which I think is marvelous, but using all this money with the, def- with the Defense Department to make it so that we match up the areas that are in trouble with the help they need. Jim, the president has made clear to every single cabinet secretary that has a responsibility, this is about, in capital words, fast that getting money or getting action three or four months from now doesn't do anybody any good. So I I can assure you the president and the vice president's task force will be working to make sure every cabinet moves fast on whatever provisions they have in this bill. Secretary Mnuchin, uh, we we knew the jobless claims number was not going to be a good one, but I am curious as to what your thoughts were when you saw that 3.283 million number uh, this morning. You know, to be honest with you, I I just think these numbers right now are not relevant. And, you know, whether they're bigger or smaller in in the short term, you know, I mean, obviously, there are people who have jobless claims. And again, the good thing about this bill is the president is protecting those people. So, you know, now with these plans, uh, small businesses hopefully will be able to hire back a lot of those people. Last week, they didn't know if they had protections. They didn't have any cash. They had no choice. Now, with this bill passed by Congress, uh, there are protections. And as I said, hopefully those workers will be uh, rehired. But between these three programs, it protects all of American workers. And by the way, you know, lots of big companies do continue to hire for obviously grocery stores, pharmacies, you know, uh, delivery services. These companies are on overtime. So I know they're hiring uh, people as fast as they can. Yeah. Um, The Fed is obviously a very important part of this overall plan, Mr. Secretary. Chair Powell was on the Today Show this morning talking about his views of the economy. How closely are you working with him and what are your expectations in terms of the Fed taking that, what is it, 500 billion and turning it into perhaps as much as four, uh, four trillion in direct lending? How is that going to work? Well, I I think, you know, for the last few years, the Fed chair and I speak on a regular basis. Uh, Even in normal times, we'd always make sure we met once a week. And in many times, we'd we'd speak multiple times a week. I I can tell you there's not a day that goes by now that he and I don't speak. Sometimes it's five times. Sometimes it's 30 times. But uh, he and I are coordinating very closely the way the 13-3 program works. the, The Fed makes a request to me as Secretary of Treasury. I have approved every single one of those requests. Uh, I can assure you that the Fed and Treasury will work together very, very closely. And we both have the same objectives to protect American workers and protect American companies. And I I must say, I applaud the Fed. 
even outside the 13-3 program and their swift action supporting the mortgage-backed securities market. This is about ordinary Americans getting mortgages. Um, I also applaud uh, FHFA. Uh, lifted certain provisions right. for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to buy mortgages. So th- this is an entire government plan to kill this virus. It, it, the president said, this is a war and we're going to win it quickly. Um, 30 times a day, Secretary Mnuchin, that has to be a pretty bad day, doesn't it? I mean, what in the world <laughs> are you talking about 30 times in one day? No, not, not a bad day at all. It just shows that there could be times when we're coordinating. I, I've consulted, you know, when we were going through these negotiations on issues that impacted 13-3. Uh, I consulted with the Fed chair constantly to make sure he was aware of the language and we were both on board. So some of these were just technical situations. Um, a lot of time it could be just exchanging market information and what we're both seeing in the market. And again, these are the times when, you know, the Fed and Treasury, we each have different responsibilities, but we coordinate and act together. All right, Mr. Secretary, uh, economic stabilization and assistance to severely distressed sectors of the U.S. economy. Page 513 to page 540 is really the live or die part where you get to choose where the money goes. Not more than $25 billion available to make loans, guarantees for passenger air carriers. What is the philosophy that you're going to have about what industries really need protection, what industries you may have to give equity to, and then finally, what industries are going to make it so that it isn't just when the smoke clears that we have an economy run by Walmart, Costco, Home Depot, Amazon, and maybe Lowe's and Target? Because I'm worried about when we get through this that some live, some die, and i got to be sure that you got the right priorities because the world's looking towards you. Well, Jim, let me make a couple of points. First of all, both the Republicans and the Democrats supported full transparency in what we're doing. So when we do take actions, either through our direct program or through our programs with the Fed, uh, there will be disclosures to the American public much faster than they would normally occur. So we very much support that this is a lot of money and we support full transparency. Uh, I, I would also say there are two different programs. There is a program that, that where we can do things direct out of Treasury um, that is focused on the airlines and companies that have national security interests. So one of the things the president wanted to make sure, if there are certain companies that do pose national security interests to the United States, we have flexibility on that. And then the 13-3 programs with the Fed are broad-based programs, uh, everything from, you know, the, the, we've, the Fed has announced a, a corporate bond, both primary and secondary, that we put up capital already through capital we had with the Exchange Stabilization Fund even before this bill was passed, uh, as well as they've already announced we'll be working with them on a Main, St- Main Street lending program. So there, there will be transparency, and this will be broad-based for many, many businesses to be able to participate. Uh, curious, curious to know, uh, when I, I look at, at the bill in its entirety, what it says to me is one thing that I think is missing that I know you can provide because this is an incredible bipartisan act. Can you challenge American business to keep people on the payroll? particularly the larger public companies, make make them give a pledge, a pledge to the country that they will do everything they can to keep as many people on, like a Cisco that just did it yesterday, a Salesforce that did it, a win. We need that optimism, and you can provide it. Jimmy, you know, we don't believe in mandating and regulating certain big businesses. We did put restrictions on where companies take transactions. There'll be restrictions on share buybacks and, and equity comp in dividends. But I can tell you, I have been on the phone constantly. The president has had multiple conversations with all the different industries. And and I can tell you, all the big companies I hear from are doing everything they can to support their employees, their commitment. Um, I would even tell you, you know, although the bill we passed last week on uh, protecting people who need to have sick leave uh, for small businesses, Mostly all the existing big companies have already come out and said they will either participate on that basis or more generous terms. So I think, company, I think the big companies are doing everything they can and understand the commitment to the American worker. 
I think that's terrific. I, I, one thing that was hard for me in the bill to understand is what is the actual forbearance? Is there forbearance from land, for landlords, for the people who live in a studio and live in a, a one bedroom and they've got five kids in there? Is there forbearance for the uh, cheesecake just la- yesterday said, just use that as a metaphor. They can't pay their bill, their rent bills. Forbearance, what does it mean, sir? And what does it mean also for all the mortgage securities out there that are so difficult to understand that we have to unravel? Can people stay in their homes if they can't pay their rent? Jim, I I want to commend Mark Calabria, who oversees the FHFA, which, as you know, is the primary regulator for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and also Secretary Carson, who oversees HUD and FHA. And prior to this bill being passed, they both put out guidance allowing for forbearance and putting a temporary hold on mortgage foreclosures, uh, evictions. So what this bill does is basically just write into law what those two people had already announced. And again, I want to commend them. They didn't wait for Congress to act. They came out last week and they already made these protections for American homeowners. We, we understand that, again, during this short period of time, homeowners need relief, and that's what those two individuals had already provided. Mr. Secretary, I know you've got to go, and thank you. Uh, this is a real good bill, and it's a great start, and I wish you the best of luck, and so does the country. Secretary Mnuchin, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. David? Uh, what'd you think, Jim? Did you hear what you uh, what you wanted? I, I feel like that the small and medium sized people uh, businesses are protected. I like the business interruption. I think they got through it and they got it. Obviously, David, I, I think the issue is how long. And that's not up to Secretary Mnuchin. But can you believe the bipartisanship here? I mean, that they got together. C- compare that to 2007, 2009. I mean, someone lit a fire under these people. And there's a lot of here. Uh, they didn't save the cruise lines. I didn't see that. They're trying to save aerospace. I think the numbers are too small. But you know what, David? I'm, I don't know. They got together. I think that if the speaker can't get this thing through in two days, it'll be very disappointing. Yeah, no, I think that would be the case. You know, it's funny. I, obviously, he had to go. Uh, I did want to get some information or more on the, how he thinks the airline bailout will go. Right. Jim, in terms of whatever it is, about 60 billion, but how it actually will work, who will take it and what the government's role really will be there as an equity, potential equity participant. Yeah, they really made that. If you check that in there and there's just a lot on that on that particular area, which is the uh, the ec- economic stabilization. And, David, it is a little uh, contrary and confusing because the money Money is meant for the workers. Uh, You don't know exactly what it means for the air carriers. And we can't figure out. And I know Boeing's struggling. Is it 17 billion for Boeing? Is it 25 billion? Dave, that is, you know, there you've got page 513 to page 540. It's just impossible. It's impossible. Someone knows something. I know I don't. Yeah, I know. Speaking of Boeing, of course, that move in that stock has been nothing short of extraordinary uh, over the last few sessions, Jim, as it uh, crept back to a $90 billion market value. But to your point, there are still so many things here that we're going to try to and struggle to fully understand in terms of the implementation of this historic bill. Still waiting, of course, for the House to actually vote on it. Um, Jim, we're opening. Yeah. We're going, to, uh, we're going to get started with an opening bell here, of course, coming off that jobless claims number, the likes of which we've never seen. In fact, it was multiples of the record that we set back in 2009 at 3.283 million Americans um, and the expectation that will continue. But the hope, as you heard from the secretary, of course, is that the bill uh, passed by the Senate on its way to the House for hopefully what will be quick approval, he says, will do a lot to get people back to work and or at least give them uh, the sustenance they need during the interregnum, once they do get back to work. Uh, Jim, um, you may have actually gotten a little bit more information from us. I know it's fluid. Listen, we'd love to, I mean, I'd love to bring the secretary back because we have so many other questions for him. I know. He just called me to say, listen, it's not a government bailout of the airline issue. That's really important. And any money that goes to them is going to come back. I apologize to the people who watch. I mean, the situation is so fluid and, and the health care plus the economy. But the secretary, when he corrects me, I got to come right back. And I want to make sure that everybody knows this is not a bailout for them. And I thank the secretary for for making it clearer than I certainly made it. Yeah, Uh, well, listen, there's so many different. Yeah, there's so many different components here of these things. And again, it's well, as you said, what about a thousand page bill? 
uh, in terms of going through it, Jim. All right, let's let's talk a bit about the markets, given we're open now. The S&P does look to be advancing uh, uh, up as much as 1.8, almost 2 percent right now. What's your feel on the market? What do you see as sort of some of the keys that you're watching here as we try to sustain what's been a recent rally? Well, you know, I don't want to be too granular because then I think that what we end up in the weeds and we can talk about Caterpillar withdrawing its guidance or whether oil can come back. But let's just use something that I found optimistic. Last night, Micron reported and Micron, David, Micron talked about tremendous demand for laptops, tremendous demand for data center work. Obviously, there's problems that are directly related to COVID that's slowing down, but there is a move going on in this country that is requiring a big, big wave of technology, which is the stay-at-home move. We weren't ready for it. They need yeah. a lot. You need a lot of semiconductors for it, both flash and and, uh, and, and, and uh, regular DRAMs. I heard the same thing from Western Digital last night. So, David, there is some demand in the economy, and it's coming from, yeah, the Amazons of the world. Someone cut numbers Amazon today. I thought that was uh, uh, that was over Amazon Web Services. I think that's going to prove to be uh, an ill-advised position. But I like the fact that when we get companies reporting, they're not filled with despair. They're actually filled with people who are actually getting business done Kind of surprising, David. Kind of surprising how strong the current economy is in light of the fact that we got 3.2 million unemployed this morning. Yeah, well, you know, the secretary also pointed out people being hired by the likes of grocery stores and, uh, you know, obviously uh, businesses that are responding to the current to the current condition, Jim. And Mm -hmm. I would argue that's the same thing you're talking about. I mean, I, I went to look for a PC a couple of weeks ago. When you knew that we were potentially going to be working from home a lot more, they were sold out. Businesses obviously doing that in order to be able to have the latest version of whatever you need to be able to uh, to video conference. That's kind of a one time bump, though, isn't it? Well, I think that the data center side isn't. We know we had it for this. There was a kind of a moment the data center spending had slowed down. But the companies that are involved with data center, they're not companies that live hand to mouth. They've got billions and they're putting it to work just to be able to meet the demand, whether it be streaming. Saw some numbers for Roku that are very good or whether it be trying to get the Zoom network working at home. So that does put an infusion in that is not the government. Now, meanwhile, I think a lot of people are really reading some things into the bill that I didn't see. They're taking Boeing up. I think Boeing is Boeing saved, so to speak? We just got from the from the Treasury Secretary. Listen, there's no bailout for the industry. I think that there may it may be premature to love the airline, so to speak, because they need customers. And as much as the bill does some possibly does things for them, it's not going to put people in the seats. Uh, and so I think that's misplaced optimism. I wouldn't be buying those stocks. I would not be buying the, the oil stocks. The Russia, Saudi, Russia is supposed to be uh, cutting back on their planet. That's not happening, because, and particularly because there's not enough demand for oil. So there are some sectors where the buying, I think, is very, very misplaced. And those are sectors where demand is going to play a role in five, six weeks where you're not going to be able to say, you know what? I'm taking a trip because you're not going to take a trip. You're just not. So right. there are areas. Right. Uh, I think the small and medium sized business did a lot bigger than big business. No, but and Jim, you know, and Goldman Sachs has a, a report out on this, though they don't name names. I mean, there are going to be many, many businesses, obviously airlines amongst the leaders there that are going from positive to negative cash flow very quickly, given the enormous decline in their revenues, obviously hospitality, travel and leisure, but also media companies cited as well, given even though viewership levels are higher, we were making this point yesterday, ad sales are coming down dramatically. Totally. Uh, And the question is how these companies deal with it. And that, you know, gets you to the high yield market concerns there, although things have been a bit healthier lately in the high yield market as well. But it's not as though this bill just solves all those issues. It doesn't. No, I mean, we've got uh, Union Pacific today, Evercourt, talking about soft car loads outlook remains likely to worsen. You know that the transports are a really good example of what could happen. The best business that FedEx has are individual, very, very caring individuals who are literally going to, to China with FedEx and bringing back the respirators, bringing back the equipment that's needed, this surfed equipment that's needed now that the Chinese have really, really been able to make it so that the thing's under control. But you're right, David. I mean, did I hear anything which just says, you know what? The retailer that you deal with, they're going to be open. No, the retailer is going to be able to be closed while Walmart's open. 
It's closed while Costco's open. David, th- there is a chance when we come out of this that the, the, that the companies that have been winners because of their great balance sheets are going to dominate. And this may be a, a, a moment in time where we discovered that we really don't have about five retailers in this country that could withstand this. You, may, you know what? I know you've made that point, and it is possible. And certainly we're going to be in a point when we get towards the other side of this, Jim, where my old focus, M&A, is going to come back into focus because you are going to have an opportunity for those companies to continue to f- further consolidate, in part because you're going to have other participants in particular industries that are very much hobbled. So you are that's so something right, else David. that I think we can expect. <laughs> there are companies yeah. that have not enough cash on hand. Why? Well, because they didn't foresee, like most people, about about COVID-19. The companies without cash on hand with good franchises, David, they're going to be cherry picked. And you are right. You are going to have more business than you believe because the franchises are intact, but the cash flow wasn't there momentarily. And they can be snapped up because there's nothing in this bill that bails out big business. This bails out the dry cleaner to tide them over until Dr. Fauci and company win. And that's the greatness of this bill. And I noted 96 to none because people know that the base of this country are, are, is the nail salon and the dry cleaner. The base is the bar. Uh, we are a service economy. But this did not bail out big business. And if you don't bail out big business, you've got to be careful because that means Walmart prevails. I like Walmart. They're hiring. I like CVS. They're hiring. I had Lowe's on last night. And, and just a tremendous hiring story. Uh, but those are all the big guys. The, 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 you know, David, the big guys are, are, are they don't need the bailout. Marvin Ellison doesn't need the bailout. He just raised a huge amount of money for Lowe's. They can tap the, the bond market. So, David, you know, the ones who can tap the bond market are the winners. But what are you hearing about being able to tap the bond market if you're a marginal buyer? No, no. no I mean, no. right. You just can't. No, no. Listen, hi. I'm sorry. Uh, investment grade. There's been issuance. We know that. And right. many companies were smart to get out there, even though they are paying more. Uh, they're still, in historical terms, not paying a great deal, but they're paying more than they would have been and spreads it widened. But they were willing to do that. But if you're a, if you're in the high yield land right now, you're not getting anything, you know, not getting anything done or not l- much getting much done. Let's keep an eye on that, though, but you, by well, the you way, know who Jimmy, just joined that, that certainly high would yield. be a sign. I'm sorry. But of you, health. Who? Uh, Ford, no, who? Motor, Ford Motor uh, junk. Right now, Ford Motor didn't yeah. need the bailout in uh, 2007, 2009. That's a credit we have to watch no. because, boy, a lot of people work for Ford. Yeah, Jim, you know, it's interesting. We talked about these triple B's, the likes of you know, the bottom of investment grade coming mm-hmm. down into high yield. And investment grade is such a larger um, pool of capital than is high yield. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's the concern there. Not to mention, you got still have people pulling money out overall, investors pulling money out. And so that does become an issue. Yeah, Who's going to actually step up to buy the these things when they get? Yeah. Got to know whether we can put more money in 401ks, David. We've got to find out about that. OK, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. We've got to bring the secretary on it pretty much every day, True. given all the questions we have, Jim. Um, let's get to Bob Bassani for a uh, look at uh, the broader market as well this morning with the S&P up two and one quarter percent. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, uh, David. Uh, quite a powerful rally. And I think very importantly, when that number came out, the, um, uh, the employment claims number at 830, uh, market rallied. Now, I know 3.2 million was worse than generally was expected. But uh, the wisp, what this is telling us is the whisper number was w- much worse. So we rallied here. We were 2410 in the S&P futures. And now look where we are. If you take a look, we're, we're at the highs, essentially, uh, for the early part of the morning. Uh, so I think that's very important in terms of where the Wall Street's looking at things. In terms of sectors, this is a very broad rally here. So when you see industrials and healthcare and banks and tech all leading, that's really broad. So we're four to one advancing to declining stocks right now. Of course, Many companies are slowly withdrawing guidance. We've been keeping track of all of them. We saw Embraer today, a big plane maker, Latin America, Signet, Wendy's, Whirlpool, Twitter, MasterCard, Deer. There's about 20 of them. You're going to see more of them as we start getting into earnings season. And very importantly, the SEC has just issued guidance in the last few days about the ability to actually 
have a reporting ex- extension here. So they're granting, under certain conditions, 45-day extension deadlines to filing quarterly reports. Those are the 10 Qs uh, for reports between March 1st and July 1st. I think you're going to see a number of companies not only declining to provide guidance, but also delaying their reports for the 45 days. And again, the SEC is issuing guidance on this. There are certain requirements, but expect to hear that. By the way, one firm, and, and Jim mentioned this, not uh, definitely providing guidance was Micron. Uh, they talked about better than expected numbers. And of course, we're hearing a lot about uh, the shift to uh, home-based work due to uh, coronavirus outbreak. Microns, you see here, trading to the upside. A good report from them. By the way, they were upgraded over at Bank of America. Uh, concerned about the VIX. I keep getting questions. It's the most discussed topic amongst me and some of the traders about why can't we get the VIX down? Why are we still at 62, 63 uh, on the front, uh, on the cash contract? If you look a little further out, you see it's a little quieter. April 53, May 45, June 40. These were uh, 10, 12 points higher just a few days ago. But I think it reflects the fact that the realized volatility, the volatility we've been seeing in the last few weeks has been titanic. It's been four or five percent moves on a daily basis. That implies an 80 VIX essentially. So there's a reason why it's hard to get the VIX down right now, because what we've just been seeing in the last few weeks gives everybody a little bit of pause. Uh, A lot of people are hopeful that we might see some rebalancing. This has been a lot of talk. Pension fund rebalancing is very difficult to get your hand around, but there are quarterly rebalancings that happen. BlackRock today, market moves in recent weeks have likely thrown many portfolios below their benchmark weights and risk assets. For long-term investors, significant value has been created. We favor rebalancing toward broad asset class benchmark wakes to regain an overall neutral stance. They're talking about the 60-40 rebalancing. Uh, They prefer U.S. equities. Obviously, pension funds are going to be rebalancing. So on the quarter to date, uh, we're, we're down 20% or so on equities. We're up somewhat on bonds, depending on what bond uh, weight, what bond uh, index that you use. So there's going to be some kind of rebalancing. How much of an impact this has when there's a lot of sellers is not clear. But selling seems to have abated a bit. The volumes are a little lower in the last couple of days. So a lot of people pinning hopes. Finally, Wall Street's working from home. I spent the afternoon yesterday calling trading desks and asking them about it. There were two concerns with everybody working from home. One is the technology going to work, the broadband going to work at home for the uh, data intensive that the data that the uh, trading desks need by and large yes uh, i'm not hearing of dramatic breakdowns and as far as communication with the clients and amongst the trading desks they've got webex they've got zoom i uh, squawk boxes are now portable you can actually have a squawk box on your phone that communicates with your entire trading desk and people can yell at each other on their phone at home Client communications are doing well. The bottom line is Wall Street seems to be coping with trading at home right now. You want more on this, tradertalk.cnbc.com. We've got some examples of people setting up systems at home on their trading desks. And just like us here at CNBC, guys, we are uh, trading. Is, uh, the Wall Street traders are coping with staying at home. Guys, back to you. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, it's uh, interesting times, of course. And as you point out, it seems to be working fairly well at this point, uh, auguring for what the future or at least questioning what the future will look like in terms of people's willingness to sort of stay home. Um, This morning, we did get a jobless claims number, the likes of which we've never seen. Not unexpected in some ways, though the number itself was still jaw dropping, 3.283 million. And by the way, there may be many more uh, people who lost their job over the last couple of weeks who are not really even familiar with filing a claim. So the actual number may be far larger than that. We did ask Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin uh, what his thought was when he saw that number this morning. I just think these numbers right now are not relevant. And, you know, whether they're bigger or smaller in, in the short term, you know, I mean, obviously there are people who have jobless claims. And again, the good thing about this bill is the president is protecting those people. So, you know, now with these plans, uh, small businesses hopefully will be able to hire back a lot of those people. Last week, they didn't know if they had protections. They didn't have any cash. They had no choice. Now with this bill passed by Congress, uh, there are protections. So he says the protections are going to be there, Jim, and it's enough time that we can actually get things started again in the economy uh, to where these people will have jobs once again. You right, believe that'll be the case? I don't know. I mean, there's still so many stupid things. I mean, there's, now I'm reading about a boat, CNN, 77 people experiencing flu-like symptoms headed to Florida. I mean, the irresponsibility of some companies is just incredible. And I do think that 
there's this misallocation of resources. I was dealing with it, uh, my doctor's son's uh, up in Vermont. They don't have the mass. They're putting these doctors in harm's way. This is America. It's not China. I mean, I don't understand. We have to get rid of the Wuhan of America. We have to make it so that the National Guard, the Army, whatever, makes it so that we don't have the pictures which just have doctors uh, getting sick. Or uh, 10% of the police in the city, David, are sick. It is very yeah. difficult yeah. to be able to get the country moving when the people who are the first responders, the public health people, and doctors on the line are risking their lives. And that's not America. So, I mean, let's get it testing, all the testing we need, all the, the equipment. We have to solve that before we can, in tandem with the checks in the mail. And, I, you know, I just sometimes I can't believe that, that, I don't know what, Dave, 45 minutes from here, there are doctors that make it sound like that uh, if we had cameras inside the hospital, we would see the same situation as we saw in Wuhan? I mean, a communist dictatorship that, that, that we know where they have no civil liberties? We're America. So I think that that's got to be solved. Uh, New York City has yeah. to be solved before we can feel like that we are able to open up a shop or go to a restaurant or a club. We solve that. We get the testing done. We get the equipment, the mass. And it feels like that it's the private sector that's getting the mass of the doctors. The private sector is not big enough. I mean, I want to know, David, what's 3M doing exactly? Mike Roman's a terrific guy, CEO. Is he getting every mass to the doctors in this country? Isn't that what we want? Uh, he, I, isn't he that is, what we want? He is. As you know, we had him on. He, he, you know, they have diverted almost all of their supply or what, um, what their manufacturing capacity to the doctors. Yes, they are. But okay, they can only make so many. They, they have increased so as many. much as they can. You know, the president talking about nine and a half million masks, saying it's a big number. It's not a big number. No, it's not. You know that. They have to throw uh, them away. I mean, one hospital system, a handful of, can go through 70,000 in a day at the height of the epidemic, is what Columbia so Presbyterian it, 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 was saying. So well, you can we know put that Mike, in perspective. You and I both know Mike Roman is a terrific guy. If it's the bottleneck, we just don't have enough manufacturing. What do we do? I mean, look, you and I are not the Army Corps of Engineers, but maybe we should. T- we, they build hospitals in 10 days in China. Maybe what we have to do is commandeer. Whoever can make these things, you have the national defense production, just commandeer, make the economy be on wartime footing for the next 30 days so we do not have to have doctors who get sick because we don't have the equipment for them. That is the to me, that's the disconnect between this bill that I really like and what's going on in this country, because doctors, doctors getting sick. That's what happened there. We can't have that happen here. Right. Right. Okay. So what if what if this continues? What if we aren't going to get it completely under control or the return to work, so to speak, actually uh, spreads it? Do you see that having a depressive effect on the economy longer term, Jim? And then the possibility that we're going to have to come back to Congress for even more money? I think that if we don't get the testing, it comes back to it's equipment in hospitals and testing. I think there are a lot of people, David, who are actually well, who don't know they're well and have the antibodies, wouldn't you love to know that they have them? Those are people. Those are going to be the straight. That's the cadre. We don't know who cadre is. That's up to the federal government. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, 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 Nationwide, being able to actually identify people with the antibodies as quickly as possible and return them to work is a key, I think. And we pointed that out a couple of times already in the last hour. Uh, Let's get to Rick Santelli now. uh, Check in on the bond, uh, bond market and things of that nature as well. Good morning, Rick. Morning, David. You know, of course, everybody's still talking about 3.283 million on initial claims, 1.8 million on continuing claims. An interesting way to look at it is, you know, you have a deficit for the budget every year and every year, whatever that is, a trillion dollars after the year's over, it gets thrown into the national debt, which is the accumulation of all those. Same with initial claims. So 3.283 million this week. Next week, we kind of start from zero again, and all that goes to continuing claims, which brings me to my point. This goes back to 1975. Just to give a little context here, the high that I have going back to 75 is $6.635 million. That was in May of 2009. So just to put a little GPS, so as we keep adding these initial claims, for the most part, they will go into the continuing claims always in arrears of that initial shock value. Look at a two-day of two-year. Uh, you know, today we traded down as low as 28. The current low close from the 20th of March is 31. So that'll give you an idea. We're guns hot in the short end. Now, if we look at 10-year, let's look at five sessions. Why? Because if you take a line and draw it across, 80 comes up just about every day. That's your high-frequency area. You want to pay attention to that. Which side we close the week on in deference to 80 is going to be key. 
dollar index. This is a couple of days of the dollar index. I've said that we keep hitting this 101 area and holding. Not anymore. We went through it like a hot knife through butter. Open it up to six sessions on a Zoom. You see what I'm talking about. With the dollar index moving a bit lower and all these stimulus packages in the U.S. and beyond, well, don't call them stimulus, call them relief packages. Uh, the dollar index coming down is a good sign that the barometer of anxiety globally is also coming down. David, back to you. Okay, thank you, Rick. Uh, Rick Santelli. We're going to take a quick break here on Squawk on the Street. When we come back, we'll get Jim's stop trading. Stay with us. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Let's do a stop trading. Jim, I mentioned Boeing earlier. It is up 9%. What are your thoughts? Well, this is a three-day rally, David, and it is led by Boeing. Uh, there's could piece J.P. Morgan about Boeing bouncing back. Uh, the difficulty here, David, is, is that I don't think anyone understands exactly what the bill does for Boeing. Uh, Boeing, there's uh, 2 million people who are in one way or another working on the supply chain, 17,000 companies. And even Boeing can't figure out exactly what it does. But the people have decided that Boeing is going to make it and do well. And that has really been the fuel for this rally. All of the Boeing suppliers are moving today. So I think there's a sense that this is an industry that has been designated as to be saved. A lot of jobs. Uh, and I think the easiest one, basically, to ensure because the chain is so clear. But if I were Boeing's CEO right now, I would be calling the Secretary Mnuchin and say, hey, listen, this one's really hard. What did we get and what didn't we get? We need it. Uh, the stock is clearly saying that if that phone call is made by Mr. Calhoun, he's going to get what he wants. Yeah, but I'm still trying to fully understand. And again, that was my next question to Mnuchin before he had to go how he envisions the airline aid, let's call it, working out. Are, what airlines are going to want money? It's going to come in the form of an equity stake or a preferred. You know, I'm a little confused, well, you, you should Jim. Be. I know that what, it's $25 billion in loans and guarantees, another $25 billion in direct grants. You should be confused because it is confusing. I mean, if you go to page 526, they have this can't buy back stock, except the extent required in a contractual obligation. So it basically says, listen, if you give up buying back stock, we will help you airlines. But then it really says that the airlines are not going to be helped as much as the employees. And the airlines may not want the money given all the restrictions. So, David, you're confused because they wrote it badly. We don't know ourselves. Well, that listen, when you're rushing like they have been, of course, that is often the case. In fact, some of the language becomes confusing and then the interpretation of it is actually more important than anything else. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.